lowering rates, excessive discounting, challenging negotiations. Welcome to the Sales Readiness Podcast, a podcast brought to you by the Sales Readiness Group. We're an industry-leading sales training company that helps businesses develop highly effective sales organizations. This podcast is about one question, how to transform your team into big performers. If you want the answer, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit salesreadinessgroup.com slash podcast. Let's get into it. And, you know, the way we're going to look at this is really in three parts. Let's just do a quick uh, survey and, and recap of what's going on in the state of sales management, uh, some of the challenges and opportunities there. We'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the impacts of AI and then pulling it together in an area that I think is actually really important to continue to talk about is, you know, what is AI not going to do for us? And how does that sales manager role evolve and maybe become even more important when we can offload and uh, support some of the mundane tasks of the sales manager, but free them up to focus on the human element uh, and the aspect of, you know, getting the most performance uh, out of their teams that they can. So, so that's where we're headed. And let's go ahead and jump in. Um, I know this is based on some of the, the research and background uh, digging that, that your team has done. Craig, do you want to just walk us through? I mean, what are some of the challenges with today's buyers? And I know people have kept the pulse on it, but it's also evolving very rapidly. What's going on in the state of sales these days? Yeah, I mean, I like this slide because it's it, it kind of all comes back to this, right? Why are we in sales and in, in enablement and in training and development, right? It's at the end of the day, to, to help buyers, right? So we need to understand who buyers are, what those trends are, how that's changing. So we know how to sell to them and we know how to enable those salespeople. So some of the major trends we're seeing is one, sellers want to control the sales process and they, want to, they don't really want to talk to sales all that much, even in a complex B2B sale. So there's real implications there uh, to create self-guided convenient experiences. The buying teams have gotten more complex. Um, it's 11 to 20 stakeholders in B2B purchases uh, and uh, the shorter attention spans. And I've actually heard a counterpoint that intentions, attention spans are not actually, excuse me, actually shorter, but the threshold for what they deem engaging content and messaging has gone up. So it's harder to earn their attention than it ever has been. So that has some real implications for, for how we train our reps to make sure that we capitalize and shine in those moments, those critical moments where buyers are asking for help. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting looking at the uh, decision-making uh, matrix there. The number goes up every year, right? It seems like it used to be, oh, six to eight stakeholders and you know, now we're 11 to 20, depending on the type of deal. And I think the underlying message there is, do we know who those people are and do we know what they care about? And if we're missing or, or we're not considering that, then there are probably people that are influencing our deal that we haven't even identified, we haven't even spoken to. And it's really on the manager to help, you know, engage, to help coach and, and address that. And these days, especially, and what's not included on the slide is really all the economic headwinds, uh, deal reluctance, or you know, just some of the um, paralysis that we've seen, where it takes longer to get decisions made because people don't know what next quarter looks like. And so, on top of the sales process getting more complex, we have some other headwinds. So, suffice to say, there's a lot uh, ahead of us, um, and we need to be able to help address it. This webinar is really going to be about well, what can the manager do, right, to 
to resolve or, or help uh, address some of those challenges. But let's hear from the audience first. What we'd like to do is understand, you know, what are some of the challenges that are facing the managers these days, uh, given some of the things we talked about, but what do you all see in your organizations? And we always learn from our, our clients and uh, participants here. What's going on? What are the challenges that are getting in the way of your managers doing their job and getting the most out of their sales team? While we're getting some responses here in the chat, if you could just uh, type in, Craig, you know, what are you seeing from some of your clients? What are you hearing out there? It's like two people said time. That's, that's usually the most common one we hear. Not enough time to coach. Setting the yeah. right expectations. When we do our, uh, our coaching workshops, you know, if this was family feud, that would be the number one answer, right? It's like, well, I don't have yeah. time to coach. And it's like, well, great. What else are you doing? right? What is more important? And in fact, if coaching can help create leverage and get time back, maybe it's something you should prioritize uh, on, on the top of the list instead of when you get to it or, or when you figure it out. But yeah, some other comments here, um, they don't know how to do it or they refuse, as Bob mentioned. So yeah, people maybe know, but they're uncomfortable, right? Or they think they're somehow undermining or nitpicking when they're doing coaching. It's probably because they don't have a coaching framework. They haven't really enabled that skill, don't know how to do it. What too else you last here? Minute, too many last minute priorities from senior management. You know, that that's a challenge in marketing. It's a challenge in enablement. It's a challenge for frontline sales. I think that's just a challenge in business probably, especially when the economy is facing some headwinds. There's uh, always a push to reactive tactics uh, and, and being less strategic which makes it hard to carry out our plans. Absolutely. A lot of comments about conflicting priorities, about too much on their plate, spending time, as Cheryl mentioned, putting out fires and closed deals. So being the Uber rep instead of actually you know, managing and supporting them to become more self-sufficient on their own, right? Because we're so busy running around putting out fires. Um, Raphael mentions coaching remote teams. So just an added challenge on top of everything else is, we can't sit down over coffee and have that heart to heart the way we used to. How do we replicate that right in the virtual world? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, really good answers. Good comment. Bob, I love your comment about, uh, you know, time is a red herring. I, I, I think it is an excuse. It's because maybe they don't appreciate or haven't prioritized it. But I always say, maybe we need a stop doing list instead of a to-do list for the managers. Like what can they offload and we'll talk about AI. What can AI enable to take some of the mundane and rep repetitive tasks off their plate so they have more time to focus in on the individual and the one-on-one -on -one and the coaching conversation and not as much time cleaning up the pipeline and you know scrutinizing over reports and going to meetings and those types of things. Yeah, really great comments. I appreciate uh, all the engagement here. We probably won't get to all of these, but some similar themes about they, they don't know how to do it. Stan mentions coaching the wrong people. So maybe we're only coaching the people that are failing and maybe they need a different type of intervention or they need retraining or they need to be on, on some sort of performance plan or in a different job, but um, we can coach until we're blue in the face. And uh, you know maybe that's not the, the right approach there. Um, too much data to wade through, lack of accountability. So lots of really fantastic comments here. Mm -hmm. Hero mentality, Bob. That's a <clears throat> that's a great one. We're going to talk about that a bit later. Very yep. common. Absolutely. Well, let's keep moving here. Definitely some uh, some common themes. But 
you know, one of the things you've done that I think is really fascinating, Craig, is just capturing some of these enablement minutes uh, from, you know, leaders in the industry and, and in sales enablement and, and sales leaders. Uh, and this one particularly talks about change management. So on top of everything else, um, we need to think about the manager as that change agent and really critical to behavior change, to leading change initiatives. But let's hear uh, from Dell and, and see what she has to say. I think this is only 45 50 seconds. There's a lot of conversation right now about impact. Are we doing the right things? And really for me, it ultimately comes down to how effectively are we managing and sustaining change? So it's critical to have that integrated into your overall strategy. Go beyond just your team when you are really focusing on integrating change management to the point of letting your revenue leaders in on what does it take to actually change behavior. Also setting out expectations for what are their roles in helping us manage and sustain the change. And then also their role is being a coach as well as what are the expectations for them to be able to reinforce whatever that initiative is. This is especially critical for behavior change. So any kind of behavior change that we're trying to manage and sustain, their coaching and reinforcement of that is key. Then we have to help our manage managers really drive accountability and make sure they're setting clear expectations with their teams. Yeah, I think that's so well said. Craig, I know you had the opportunity to interview Dell. Do you want to share a little bit more about that? And, you know, I, I think it's an interesting aspect on top of everything else we're expecting the managers to do, how critical they are to, to become that change agent. Yeah, you, you know, I think it, it didn't it didn't occur to me until someone spelled it out and it was actually Dell that really it, it, it made this hit home for me. She was saying so much of what we ask sellers to do from, you know, our methodology to strategies, to messaging, to email cadences, um, really everything, all the processes we ask them to follow, it all flows through that frontline sales manager. So if you're not thinking about change management, you're probably wasting a lot of energy and effort and resources on programs and training and new tools that then you're not reinforcing properly. You don't have the compliance in place. You're not optimizing. You're not getting feedback unless you're truly coordinated in working through that frontline sales manager because they're in the primary position. They're on the front lines, right? So they are so critical for actually seeing impact and results from our development and training activities. Absolutely. And uh, so on top of everything else we're doing, we need to think about how we support them and also free up time to do that. And there were several other comments in the chat about, you know, we said, oh, they're already too busy. And from a coaching standpoint, we want them to dedicate time. You know, the best coaches are spending, you know, 20% or more of their time coaching, and that's probably still not enough. Uh, so how do we do that and enable them or support them uh, to, to be that change agent? So, you know, let's continue on. There's a lot we asked. Sorry, did you have a thought there, Greg? Yeah, Wendy. I think Wendy read the same LinkedIn post from Stephanie White as I did this morning, uh, a reinforced multiplier, which I actually put into the presentation when I saw that because it was so insightful. And we're going we're gonna to hit on that in one of the upcoming slides. So good call out, Wendy. Uh, that's great. 
uh, just in time here. So, well, let's keep moving. You know, when we think about uh, frontline managers and how critical they are, I think you touched on some of these. But do you want to walk through? You know, what 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 can the managers do as that full small force? Yeah, I, I kind of did this slide in the last one, so it, we'll, yeah. we'll just kind of go quickly on this one. But the force multiplier piece, right? In this do more with less environment. Right. There's a question as to what is more important. It's, it's obviously not, you know, either or it, it's a mix. But if you could enable sellers or enable frontline sales managers, which would you choose? Which is more important? And I think it's hard to make an argument that it's the sellers, because if you think about your time, right, if you try to train one person, right? If you train that manager, then they can train the rest of the team, right? So it is a force multiplier for the sales leader and the sales enabler to really enable and empower that frontline sales manager to have maximum impact. And that's going to give you the most control and, and the most impact over what you're trying, uh, what behavior changes or um, messaging or, uh, you know, training you're trying to push through to them. Absolutely. Well, I think we need to protect and, and be really sensitive to everything else on their plate and have them focus on the things that are going to be that force multiplier, right? What are, what's going to make the biggest difference? And as a number of people said, you know, they know they should coach, but they don't know how, or the coaching, as Robert said, that they're providing really looks more like telling or, you know, performance feedback, hey, do it this way as opposed to really engaging them in a collaborative coaching conversation. We'll, we'll talk more about that uh, as we go along here. All right. So, you know, these are some of the things that we're looking at when we put on onto the manager's plate, like how, how are they empowered? What are they really doing? We want them to drive sales performance. We want accurate forecasts. We want them to hire the right people. We want them to coach and improve the skills of their team. We need to, them to lead and motivate and influence uh, we need them to support and execute the sales vision, right? So these are critical kind of strategic activities and nothing here says, oh yeah, and go to those meetings or, you know, make sure the, the Friday afternoon report is compiled. Um, these are things that help drive that performance that we're looking for. So we need them to think, as Bob mentions, to be both the manager and the leader. Um, so they get the other stuff done, but they're the ones who are inspiring and really getting uh, the most out of their teams. And so that all goes to, you know, how do we support them? How do we help train them? How do we make sure they're doing everything they need to uh, to, to really support their team as they go along? Anything you'd the add comments, to this, Rick? The comments, the chat is on fire. I yeah. am learning more from the chat than I think we're teaching <laughs> them. This is fantastic. I love that line. Leaders don't create followers. They create more leaders. I think that's a perfect point here is we want to turn our frontline sales managers into leaders and that's going to give us really maximum impact. Um, because, but, but and, and there's another comment that just they tend to be. It feels like they're putting out fires constantly, right? So, how do we protect their time? How do we put processes in place that you know allow them to be strategic and not reactive all the time? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, so we're we're looking at all of these challenges for them, and then. The thing that we see is they are challenged. They don't know how to coach, as people mentioned. They're busy. They're responding to the, the urgency of the day, uh, dealing with customers. Um, they don't have enough time for deep work. And you know, some of the research we did with, with Selling Power a few years ago, 
said, you know, almost three quarters of sales managers said they don't get the training they need on how to coach. Yet we identified it as one of the most important things. So, so there's certainly a disconnect there that we need to to try to resolve. Um, so, you know, obviously supporting and investing in them is important. We'll talk about how to do that. Um, and let's talk about a little bit, you know, from a sales leadership perspective, Craig, you know, what are some of the mistakes that they make and what's going on there um, in terms of not supporting the frontline managers? Yep. So I think the why is so important for frontline sales managers to understand, because if they're just order takers, they're not going to have the context to truly reinforce this um, efficiently uh, or effectively, um, because it is understanding the why that will allow them to diagnose nuance and understand how this applies in those nuanced sales scenarios or situations. Also dealing with different personalities and style types where flexibility and balance is required when you're rolling things out. You want to maintain individuality and creativity on your sellers, but you also want to drive some level of consistency. So it's really important for those frontline sales managers to understand what is the point of view of our organization? What, what is the why behind our messaging and our positioning um, for different personas and different industries and different product features? So I think that's a critical thing that is often overlooked where the frontline sales manager is treated as uh, a non-strategic order taker. And I think that really dooms them in a lot of ways. And it does not empower them, which is our second bullet. Right. And I think sometimes there's a, it's a resource issue, right? The enablement is also putting out fires and they cannot seem to prioritize training the trainer. Um, and uh, the, I think in some cases, there's the sales leader, the enabler, which just wants that control. And they don't, maybe there's a lack of trust in some cases with the frontline sales manager, which begs the question why did you hire them and why do you have them if you don't trust them? to execute your vision. Um, so I'll, I'll pause there before we go into the next two points to give you a, a chance to respond, Ray. No, I, I think this is spot on. And, you know, in terms of hiring or promoting the frontline managers, and we've all heard the stories, right? We promote the best sellers, but then realize that what made them great sellers is not necessarily the best to get work done through others and get the most out of the, the people. And in fact, maybe they should be an, an independent that's working uh, kind of on their own agenda versus having to take their ego out of the equation and and work with and empower others. So I think we run into that as well as, you know, maybe we promote the wrong people uh, or we're not really considerate to, to all the different traits, the softer skills that are required to do that. And we're going to get back to that. You know, but one of the big yeah. one, I mean, the, 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 I think. Very often we are hiring people with no management experience to be managers. And we think that somehow management training isn't required. Well, of course it is. These people have never managed anybody, uh, at least in a sales setting, right? If you're literally promoting your top performing reps, they are not managers and they will have a tendency to look for the traits that made them successful in their team and perhaps miss other traits that could make that seller successful. Um, so there's a real risk when they don't view themselves as skill and talent developers or teachers. It's very important that they get that training and can make that shift. 
there's also that tendency to be the hero, right? They, they were successful sellers, so they know how to get a deal across the finish line. So when, that, when you get into the seventh, eighth inning, they're, they're, they're just taking the ball and they're trying to close it themselves instead of letting their, their, their rep learn from the experience and close it themselves. And, and we see that a whole lot. Absolutely. And Stan pointed out, and we can, you know, insert whatever sports analogy you want, but if we promote the best athlete and they're in that role, they can't understand why it's so hard for everyone else because they do it intuitively or they know how to do it, which is why the Michael Jordans and the Wayne Gretzky's, you know, didn't really make great coaches or managers when they moved into those roles. Um, and that's probably a topic for a whole separate uh, conversation, but I think that's right. They they are unconsciously competent and they don't necessarily know how to share that. So let's keep us moving. We have one more uh, area uh, or, or slide in this area, and then we'll move into the AI discussion. But, um, you know, I think one other aspect to add to this is thinking about the individual and thinking about how we support them uh, as unique individuals, as opposed to a cookie cutter approach. I don't know if you want to say anything more about the setup for this, or if I should just play it here, Craig. Yeah, I mean, this almost ties to AI in the sense that it's about humans treating each other as humans and as, as individuals, unique individuals. And we have a tendency, I think, to, to put people into buckets because it's efficient. And when you're busy as hell, putting things into buckets just really is convenient. But you can't do that when you're dealing with humans. You don't put humans into buckets. I mean, maybe you can if you're a marketer and you're doing segmentation, you know, things like that, of course. But like when it comes to training and development, it really is a, it's a relationship. And you need to understand who that person is to understand how to get the most out of them. So Absolutely. Well, let's what yeah. our, hear what our friend Andy has to say, and then uh, we can move on here. Yeah. Everybody's not the same. Oftentimes I write in my books and content I create about sort of the dangers of over relying on process that we've fallen into in sales and trying to make everybody sort of a cookie cutter clone of, of somebody else. Instead of saying, look, everybody is an individual and how do we help them become the best version of themselves? And where we see this oftentimes too is when new people are brought on board is this assumption that, yeah, they're all going to get it within a certain period of time. It should be the same for everybody. But what if it takes somebody twice as long to get it? Do we fire them in the meantime? So there's these judgments that are made on this assumption that everyone is sort of the same. And this has become a trend I think has become magnified over the last 10, 15 years. It's really the opposite of what we should be doing. And I think that's hugely damaging for people throughout their career, this label they get placed onto them. Whereas again, if we were a little more focused on the individual and the person, which is really the role of the frontline manager to be able to help them develop into the best version of themselves, we'd have different outcomes for a lot of people. So Louis, before we move on, Ray, because Lewis made the point, yeah, everyone's clear about the problem. What's the solution? And I think that's a good point. And I hate watching webinars that are literally just identifying all the problems without offering actual, you know, answers. And obviously there's not, it's not like there's a single answer for everybody here, but um, you know, I think time blocking is one tactic that when I first heard about it, I was, I almost did an eye roll because it's so simple. But when I actually started doing this with my own calendar, it's really helped my relationships and the way I've been able to train and develop the people underneath me at Alego is really making sure that you block out that time. And it's in, in sales, oftentimes, like, uh, you know, the coaching sessions turn into deal reviews or pipeline reviews. And that that's one thing to avoid, right? 
but really making sure that you're dedicating that time for development and coaching and protecting that time and also making sure that there's buffer because a lot of times a meeting will run late or you know even if you're rushed because you know you have a back-to-back and the, the sellers can feel that, right? They can feel, okay, my manager's distracted today. My manager seems a little rushed or dismissive or doesn't have time. And they might not bring up an important issue or something that they wanted to bring up because they can tell you're just not fully present. So blocking that time and really practicing, I think, being completely present with the, with the reps is, is key. And a lot of this will come out if you dedicate time to do you know, manager training and you teach these people the management skills that they need to be effective. Well, and I'm glad you hit on that point because obviously investing in the managers and spending as much time developing the managers to manage as we do reps on, as somebody mentioned, product training and even on skills training, you know, we spend all this time, but we don't have the programs in place to coach and reinforce or develop the managers. Um, so critical. And then the other piece is how do we free up time for the managers so they can spend more time on those critical skills, which is where we're going next. So so let's transition. Um, and talk about the the impact of AI, kind of what's going on, how that's evolving, and and how that may be able to provide some relief here, right? Some some support. So AI and sales management, and maybe you can walk through. I mean, there's a lot going on there, um, and and a lot of different application. But these are some of the things. Maybe you can talk about you know kind of a Lego's perspective on this, Craig. Yeah. So this is kind of current state, right? This is th- these are the AI uh, functionalities that we've had in the Lego platform um, before ChatGPT came out with generative AI. So custom learning paths, reinforcement, role plays which is we call AI dialogue simulator. Um, And that technology just keeps getting better. It feels like you're talking to a human uh, when you're role playing, which is is really valuable. Um, Conversation intelligence. um, If you can advance the slide, I think I have a couple screenshots. Yeah, so this is what what the role play looks like. And then on the next slide, a a screenshot of, oh, this is show reel. So uh, a lot of people don't realize that the conversation intelligence is really the front end has caught up with the back end. It used to be, well, how do we mine and curate all this conversation data? Well, now it's as simple as making a Google search and then getting a highlight reel of multiple sellers talking about a certain keyword, whether it's a product feature, a competitor, a common objection that comes up. So it is now really efficient with technology to one, keep your pulse on what your sales team is saying, what they're messaging, also optimization, understanding the voice of the prospect and the customer. So you can refine that training content to be most relevant using the the same phrasing and and verbiage that that your prospects and buyers are actually using. And then virtual coaching is another great AI use case where um, there's a few different versions of this out there for at, at a Lego, there's individual and there's team uh, AI coaching where it's going to listen to calls and be able to identify your pace, um, you know, your filler words, you know, uh, if you hit certain points, um, problem points in the conversation. And what's really valuable about this is one, you're reducing the burden on your frontline sales managers because you're enabling self-evaluation and also peer-to-peer coaching through this technology, but it's also able to look at all of the 
individuals collectively and identify overall trends. So if you have a team coaching session, you're able to zero in on those items that will have the greatest impact across the team. Yeah. And I mean, I think looking at the different applications and then thinking about it in terms of those key roles that that we touched on for the sales manager, um, it, it's an exciting time. And so if the goal is, well, we want to empower and build the reps, how do these things help do that and give us time back um, and, and make us more effective as managers? So, um, well, and, and actually, yeah, did you want to touch on virtual coaching as well? I already hit it, uh, yeah. but this is just a screenshot that yeah. Yeah, just kind of shows you how it pinpoints yeah. parts of the conversation. So, so some of the areas that came out, and I was at the Gartner CSO conference a few weeks back, Greg Hassan, who's the analyst that covers this area, talked about three critical areas where he sees uh, AI in, empowering and enabling the frontline manager. And one is on pipeline and forecasting. And we all know that that's a huge challenge often because the data isn't very good. It's a little bit of black art often. And, you know, but at the same time, senior leadership, as somebody pointed out in the chat, is really focused on it, right? They want to be able to roll up those forecasts. Well, guess what? If you can train AI on your sales process and have it look at hundreds of deals of that certain size, maybe that industry, those characteristics, and suggest, well, then how do they typically move through? Um, and where are these deals relative to the baseline? We can start to do a much better job of identifying those deals that are dead and we just didn't know, or at least raise a flag that we need to look into these because it's moving at a slower velocity than the average, for instance, or we haven't taken an action in 30 days and you know we're not sure what the next step is. So um, I think that's where AI can analyze and assess that information at a level that goes way beyond what the manager might have been able to do going through, you know, line by line or beating up the reps every week, which we often see uh, in the forecast meeting, where that should really be about how do we advance and, and focus on the deals we can win versus, you know, scrutinizing every line item there or, or trying to do pipeline hygiene, which is not uh, motivating for anyone that, that's involved in it. So I, I think it can certainly help us get ahead on the pipeline and forecasting on deal coaching, providing specific recommendations based on that deal, based on the characteristic, what's the appropriate next step, what's the call objective based on where it is in the cycle. So we can get that uh, coaching, that, that uh, AI insight to help us understand what the appropriate next step. And now the manager can come in armed and say, well, you know, let's talk about these three recommendations and what can we do? So again, being able to uh, consume past deals, consume the playbook and the process, and then make recommendations accordingly. And then on performance management, you know, taking the judgment out of performance management, which is often a challenge for frontline managers, where you know, we say, oh, that's good or that's bad, or you're not doing your job and saying, well, no, let's look at activity levels. Let's look at the outcome metrics. What are the KPIs across the board and how do they compare to what good looks like? And now we can really make a recommendation saying, well, here's where we're not making the doing the behaviors we need to, or maybe where we need a little bit more focus so we can get them back online. Um, so I think those are three critical areas and, and Greg highlighted. The fourth that I would add is just on skills coaching and development. And Craig, maybe you could uh, you know add to this as well. But when we start looking at conversational intelligence and consuming 
you know, hundreds and hundreds of sales calls, we can really start to build a profile of what that conversation should look like, which ones are effective, and for an individual call where we maybe missed the mark or we want to provide some additional insight. But do you want to talk about how Allegro is approaching that with your conversational intelligence engine and how that can help on the skills coaching and development side? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm watching, I'm reading the comments too as we go here, and there's some good dialogue and, and, and conversation happening. Um, there was a point around, you know, is, is, is the direction or non biased information that the, the AI is giving you, is that really coaching? We call it that. I think more for marketing purposes, I think the argument can be made that it's not coaching. It's, um, you know, it, it's, it's directional. It, it's, uh, it helps you evaluate, uh, you know, a call. It gives you objective data points. Did they hit this? Did they hit that? But it does not replace the human element, which is what we're about to talk about in the next section of this is why you shouldn't be threatened or scared or think that this technology is going to replace sales coaching because I don't think it will, but it can make us more efficient. It can help us use our time better. And given the realities where it just seems like some organizations will never actually be able to prioritize, um, you know, coaching and, 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 and coaching the coach the way they should, these technologies are better than nothing, certainly. Um, Absolutely. Well, I think it's providing more insights for the manager and, and, you know, to Bob's point, yeah, it's not going to be an automated coach. It may be able to provide some real-time feedback or some suggestions. I think that's the manager's role then, as we'll get to, to, to help decipher and to create that collaborative coaching culture, right? That conversation. Um, and I'll just hit on one other one Lewis mentioned, and I appreciate the distinction because we want to point out the difference between deal coaching and skills coaching and deal coaching isn't going away, right? We want to help close that business. Hey, we're getting up towards the end of the quarter. What can we do? Are there actions that uh, we can take or the manager can help with? But that should feed the coaching plan. And that could say, well, maybe if we did a better job with our research or our call planning or in our discovery phase, we would have been ahead of that. So let's focus on that next quarter, right? Or here are some skills that we're going to add. So I think absolutely deal coaching should always have uh, a, a feedback loop into the, the coaching plan and, and the skills development, but they're both going to happen. And we're still going to be asked to close those deals and, hey, what, what are we doing, right, to, to hit the number at the end of the quarter? Yeah. This is great. So anyway, those are key areas. We actually have a blog coming out. Um, and we'll happy to make that available uh, on these items and kind of a recap of, of some of what was covered at that Gartner conference. Somebody asked about the uh, the recording. We will share the recording uh, from this um, as a output from this, everybody get that follow-up message. So um, you'll be able to refer back to it, but let's just cover one other area. And, and I'd love to hear from the audience um, and just while people are chatting in, but what do you think's ahead for AI in sales management? I mean, where do we think this goes? What else is evolving? Craig, maybe you could share some of your thoughts and we'll ask the audience as well. Yeah, so I haven't seen this actually applied in sales management, but this is, if I'm putting the pieces together, because what I'm seeing on the marketing side is this idea of creating, instead of using chat GPT, which is effectively you know, using the entire body of knowledge to create answers, you're, you're, you're giving it this way of giving it just your source material, right? So your, your philosophy, your sales methodology, your CRM data, 
your salespeople's um, skills assessments, their, their results from their quizzes and role plays and their sales performance, it, the AI can now access where all of the deals are, what stage they're in. It has all of the meeting data for every deal. So it's able to take all of this data, including your, your, your sales methodology and coaching philosophy, and being able to listen to a call and then apply suggestions, tips, next steps, suggestion, suge suggested content from that source material. It is going to be a lot better. The, the AI is going to be able to coach in a way that it hasn't been able to yet. So I think AI virtual coaching is going to continue to get better. I still don't think it replaces humans, but I do think it will add more and more value over time, especially as companies start offering these type of AI services on a platter, which hasn't really happened yet. It's still a bit inaccessible. You need someone, a developer that's really geeky and staying up to date on the latest and greatest. But very soon, there's just going to be these business offerings that make this out of the box. Yeah, and there's a lot of comments in about, well, they have to learn how to use it, or are they going to be proactive? I mean, I think it's going to evolve. I think it's going to be built in and, you know, Allego and others, right, are looking really hard at, at how we make that seamless. And I also think some of the basics, I mean, if, if you're a sales manager and you haven't taken the time to just ask chat GPT a few questions like, hey, this rep is struggling with these skills, what would you recommend? It's fascinating. Now, use your own judgment, right? But to see the detail and the suggestions that comes back, or I'm preparing for a coaching conversation and these are some of the issues, what would you suggest? Plain language, right? That's the whole benefit and asking those kind of questions. Now, the, the bonus is if your organization is training it on your sales process, on your playbook, if it can consume that internal information, now it's going to be much more informed. But I see that evolving and becoming really exciting uh, as a way to move forward. So yeah, I think there's a lot that we're going to see. I mean, it's moving at lightning speed, right? Even over the last six months, uh, can't can't believe how far it's evolved. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, so um, let's continue on. We'll cover the last area and open it up for questions. But you know the human element. So um, you know, lest uh, AI and Chat GPT just takes over and makes the role redundant. Um, I I don't think so. And and one of the reasons I think so is you know when we think about the key areas that AI won't be able to address. Um, that's where the human element becomes even more important. So the last chat, and we'll go through this pretty quickly, but you know, what are some of the things that you don't think AI is going to cover or where you know, it can support the manager, but it's not going to replace? And I don't believe that it's going to be just automated and it's going to be providing all the, all the suggestions to the robots, right? I, I think there's the human element that comes into play. Love to hear what the audience thinks, and then we have some thoughts as well. I know when we show the next slide, it's going to be like all of them. I wish we dripped them out because they all require their own discussion. Because um, there's some great human char characteristics that I think AI will never be able to replace. Yep, absolutely. And people are talking about, and Jillian, I love it, empathy, intuition, intuition, yeah. relationship. 
um, you know, where to put your time and resources to provide the, the onboarding. Um, and that's exactly what, what, you know, I think our discussions have been, Craig, and, and where I think we go with that is it actually en- enables the manager to be more effective because if we're thinking about things AI doesn't do a great job is, you know, being curious. I mean, certainly it can ask questions, but not in the same way or helping with creativity or having true empathy for that individual and, you know, knowing where they're coming from or sensing uh, what's happening that day for that individual. Yeah. Uh, no. And then, you know, using your intuition. So those are things AI has a, has a struggle with, at least until it becomes, uh, you know, omniscient. But uh, for today, I think humans do those much better. Yeah, go ahead, Craig. I mean, AI is incredible at asking questions and asking the right questions, but it, that doesn't make it curious. It's logic driven. It's not actually curiosity. So when you run into a someone is stuck, they've hit a wall, and it's not. It's no longer about logic. It's about understanding that person on a human-to-human relationship level to figure out how do you unstuck this person? How do you unlock or how do you motivate this person? And the AI can ask all the questions based on logic in the world, but they're not going to notice that human thing that you figured out about them that makes them tick. And I mean, maybe people could argue that the AI will get there. I I don't know. I I don't think that'll ever be replicated. And, you know, curiosity, I think, is one of the the best traits also for for sales leaders and understanding your frontline sales managers and how do you motivate them and how do you train them? And if if you display that genuine curiosity, they will display that to the reps that they're training and developing as well. So there's a real opportunity to lead by example and really lean into curiosity. And this, this works at all levels, right? It works at the sales leader level, at the individual contributor level, and it works in the conversations with prospects. You want those reps having genuine curiosity to understand who their prospects are that they're talking to and what their, their pains and challenges are. And so spot on. And I think all of this addresses or, or relates to Tripp's comment, which is, and you know, we've heard this, I think it was Gallup originally, right, that surveyed, hey, people quit their managers. Um, it typically not their job or or other reasons. I mean, there may be other factors, but uh, AI has a hard time building that relationship. What it can do is free up the manager's time and make it even uh, more effective or make the manager more effective at using that insight and then focusing in on the individual and empowering them and motivating them. And I think that to me is the exciting part. And I go back to, you know, when we look at our coaching mindset that, that we talk about in our coaching programs, it's very simple, but it's also profound that a good coach asks questions, right? Engages that individual and say, well, how do you think it went? And what might you do differently, right? Let's reflect on that. So asking, actively listening and saying, oh, interesting. Well, let me make sure I understand. So, so we're really leaning in on that individual and then assuming they're trying to do a good job, but figuring out what's getting in the way or what's blocking and that three A's framework, as we call it, I don't think goes away. And, and I think that just helps become even more important where we have maybe better data, maybe better insights to leverage, but we're using the human element there to have that discussion. We missed it, Ray. We missed the Ted Lasso quote. You need a relationship before you can really coach. Love it. Oh, absolutely. Got to have a good, uh, 
a good Ted quote in there. And we, we probably could have used the gold, uh, be, be the goldfish, right? When we were talking about the short attention spans. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, you know, let's just kind of wrap this up. But I, I, I'm actually a big fan of Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft. They're one of our clients and and the work he's done to, to kind of evolve Microsoft. And one of the quotes that really stuck with me, and as people probably know, they're a big investor behind ChatGPT and coming out with Copilot embedded in a lot of their applications. But when he's looking at, you know, kind of the future and, and how to think about that, that the new generation of AI will remove the drudgery of work and unleash creativity, that that's the promise. And I think that's so profound. And uh, this is in the work index uh, study that Microsoft provided, and we can provide a link to that as well. But it, it's a great synopsis of, you know, kind of how it's helping to remove uh, some of the drudgery because the big impact is people feel overloaded and the, the information and trying to get access. And that's one of the biggest challenges. And the biggest promises is they actually see if AI can help remove some of the noise and synthesize that information so we don't have to be the one sorting through it all. It empowers us to become more human and be more creative and unleash that. Uh, and I think that's actually a really great place to, you know, maybe wrap up that part of the discussion. Uh, we'll summarize and then, you know, head into questions. But any other thoughts on that, Craig? No, I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of AI and its applications and making, uh, and basically giving us time back to focus on the things that we are good at and that AI can't do those human element traits. So uh, I agree. I know that as a, as a marketer, uh, AI has already really added a lot of value and utility. So, you know, I think there's plenty to be concerned about and have, have questions about, but on the whole, I think, um, uh, as, as a professional and uh, a revenue team professional, you want to be embracing this technology and, and really leaning into it. Absolutely. So, I mean, this is fascinating. I can't, uh, can't appreciate the audience and thank them enough for their engagement. I'm just reading through and I wish we had time to call out every conversation and, and sub-conversation among the group, but uh, really fascinating. And I think, you know, just some takeaways for us to consider, um, you know, the sales manager role is more critical than ever. And because sales is challenging and the environment's challenging, we need to lean in on empowering and enabling those sales managers to be more effective and to be that change agent and support the organization. And even though AI is going to go a long ways to helping and supporting, it's not going to replace the human element. Uh, and, and we need to really think about how the managers can be part of you know, adoption and training and coaching and empowering them for the future. Uh, anything else you'd add to this, Craig? No, no. This is a great summary. Yeah, and that it just needs to be the it needs to be a priority for sales leaders and enablement leaders. You have to enable the enablers. That's going to give you the maximum impact. That force multiplier, as we've talked about, it can't fall off the priority list. Make sure you're being strategic. Don't get don't let reactive uh, sales strategy take hold fight against it, fight the good fight. <laughs> I know it's hard. The market is changing, making sales skills more important than ever before. How to transform your team into big performers? If you want the answer, plus free resources for podcast listeners, visit salesreadinessgroup.com slash podcast. <laughs>